Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Good morning, Ralph. Hey, Hugo. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Very good here. How about you? Things are going well. I just got back from an amazing trip to uh, Carnival in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, as for myself, I just returned from the Carnival in Venice. So maybe we can use this episode to talk about our experiences, what's uh, similar and what's different about those two. It's probably the two most famous and popular carnivals in the world, I believe. I don't know. I don't have any uh, specific numbers, but I believe, uh, I mean, at least for Italy and for Europe, uh, the Venice Carnival is uh, is quite a big event. And always known about the, the carnival in Rio. I've been to Rio years ago, not for the carnival. So um, I'm really curious to hear about your experience there. Did you have fun? Oh, yeah. You could hardly go there and not have fun. It was uh, just a truly amazing experience. Uh, The way it came about is uh, I have a a very good friend who uh, works in the travel industry down there in Rio, and we connected again at the New York Times Travel Show in January. And we were just uh, having a few beers and Uh, She invited me down and said, you got to come check out uh, Carnival. And so I happened to have a window of time where I didn't have any trips planned or any speaking engagements. And so I put the whole thing together in about a week and a half. And it was uh, so I really didn't have that much time to research it, to uh, even learn about the, the history of Carnival, what to expect Uh, So I I did very little research whatsoever, and uh, to a degree, I regret that, but also it made it uh, even that much more interesting and spontaneous, which, you know, in our business, organizing and leading tours around the world, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely a planner, and so I'm working on trips a year and a half, two years in advance sometimes, so to have a, a, a spontaneous opportunity for travel is really unlike, uh, it's unusual. And so, uh, but it did uh, offer me a a new way of sort of experiencing this absolutely incredible uh, spectacle that is Carnival. So I think not having been able to research it was actually a good thing. I'm wondering, I mean, this was kind of a last minute decision. Was it easy to find flights and hotels? I would imagine that Rio would be packed and everybody would be booking hotels and flights months in advance well it's a it's a good point and uh so as for flights the flights weren't inexpensive because i went right over the heart of the carnival itself uh, which when we do the trip next year so that uh the the carnival is four or five days and, and that's sort of the heart of it that's uh when all the street parties are blocos the blocos is what uh a lot of people probably think of when they they think of carnival and those are the the many many street parties that happen every day in different neighborhoods they're very spontaneous uh, they don't cost anything extremely crowded uh and uh, uh i would say a much younger 
crowd, uh, you know, probably a uh, teenager to 20s, maybe 30-somethings is the, the vast majority of people. So it's much more of a uh, party atmosphere. Uh, they have these trucks that have huge sound systems on top of them, and they slowly make their way through a, a small portion of uh, these different neighborhoods. And the people dress up and they drink and they uh, get a little crazy and uh, it's extremely crowded. So that's uh, that's kind of what I had in mind uh, for uh, a lot of the, the, the way that it would roll out. Um, that's where you have to be careful about your belongings and go out with as little as possible and, you know, not carry big cameras or uh, really be careful with cell phones and pickpockets and things like that because it's the crowd is so condensed and you're just bumping up to people and, you know, who knows, uh, you know, who might be reaching in your pocket here and there. It's not dangerous. Uh, it's just, you know, typical sort of pickpocketing, uh, you know, those kinds of thefts, uh, although I had no incidents whatsoever. Um, now, the, 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 the organized carnival, the, the, the one that you might have seen the real big spectacle with the with the very vibrant costumes and the huge floats and things like that that costs to get into at the sambodro that's a uh, 100,000 seat stadium that's built specifically for the carnival uh, they have uh, like like i said about 100,000 spectators and then uh, anywhere from five to six different Samba schools that pass through this one kilometer long stretch uh, in the middle of this, uh, the, the, the stadium seating. And each school has anywhere from three to 4,000 people per school. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I had no idea that it worked that way. So it could, it's like a parade. The parade goes on for hours and hours. Yeah, and uh, so it actually went from 9 p.m. until 5 a.m. the next morning just for the six schools that I saw that one night. Mm -hmm. And this goes on for four or five nights. Then, uh, so that's, I think, uh, Saturday through the following Wednesday. Then the following Saturday, they have the winner's parade. So they choose the top six schools. Uh, to do a winner's parade that Saturday evening. So that's sort of the best of the best. And um, But each school, if you can imagine, three to 4,000 people with upwards of eight incredibly uh, detailed and huge, like six-story high um, uh, floats. floats. Yeah, these floats that are, you know, have moving parts and dozens of people on each float. Uh, I, I can't imagine the millions and millions of dollars that each school spends just to uh, put on their display. And it, they have one hour to do it. So they, they have one hour to go down this one kilometer stretch that, uh, and if they go over or under, they get points deducted. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's all judged, and it's it's very, as you can imagine, very, very serious, because there's got to be hundreds of millions of dollars spent on this whole spectacle. I've never seen anything like it. So, but there are also those smaller parties, as you said, in, in neighborhoods. And so I, I think these are very much about the music, right? People dancing uh, all the time. Absolutely. 
trying to, yeah. to, to compare it about what what happens in Venice for the carnival, which is completely different. I mean, there is no very little music there. One might imagine that everything is played to the sound of music. Uh, the only place where there normally is music is in in St. Mark Square, where there's the the stage is uh, is put up. And every day they have uh, the events, like they have contests for the most beautiful costume and masks and so on. But th- there is background music, but people are not dancing. Uh, yeah, this is all about the music. Uh, you know, the Brazilians are just born uh, dancing, coming out of the womb, I think. <laughs> They've all got the, the beats. And uh, but uh, I- I'm sorry, I got a little bit off track because you'd asked me about uh, airfare and hotels. So I was there during the heart of Carnival, the so super, super high season. Uh, airfare was not inexpensive uh, from Chicago through Miami to Rio was about uh, $1,400, but that was during the heart of it. And so our trip next year, uh, I haven't gotten the details yet. We're still working it out. Uh, we'll probably focus on the winner's parade that following Saturday so that we avoid that super, super crazy part of uh, Saturday through Wednesday when most services in the city are closed. Uh, the traffics uh, can be really bad because of these blocos or street parties that take over uh, many, many areas of the city. It's difficult to get around. Uh, the hotels have longer uh, minimum stays. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons to sort of avoid that part, even though it's fun, and uh, go to this other window of time that includes the winner's uh, parade and also uh, still has a lot of that left over. Now, as far as uh, how I got a hotel or a place to stay, um, I did not. Uh, I actually stayed at uh, my friend's flat. So uh, I did not need to uh, arrange a hotel with that short notice. Uh, I've got to think that the hotels are extremely expensive, especially last minute. Uh, There are a lot of Airbnbs. I met quite a few people that were staying in uh, reasonably priced Airbnbs at around 100 U.S. per night. Uh, So I think extremely reasonable for that uh, big of a a spectacle. What about the photography aspects of it? Uh, For me, uh, the Venice Carnival is all about photography. Uh, it's, it's not so much about parting, right? As I said, there is not a lot of music in the street. Uh, there are private parties, uh, costume, people in costume go there for private dinners and parties, but it, it's not a party atmosphere. So for me, for a lot of people, the Venice Carnival is all about photography. It's all about photographing those extremely rich, elaborate costumes that people spend months preparing and so on. Mm, uh what about Rio? I can imagine in the stadium you might need a, a telephoto lens to capture the action, but maybe in the in the neighborhood there's a lot of opportunities for street photography. Yeah, no, there's absolutely a lot of uh, street photography. Uh, Rio itself uh, is very photogenic. There's a lot of street art, graffiti, things like that. Um, but it's so crowded and busy that it's difficult to... Uh, get a lot of sort of close-up individual photography that I've seen with like the Venice Carnival where you're isolating one or two of these uh, these uh, performers, I'll call them, or uh, the, the people that are dressed up in these wonderful uh, costumes. Uh, now, of course, 
in Rio, you definitely have those kind of people, but mostly those are at the Sambodromo, which is the paid event. And it's so busy, so crowded, uh, but, but it's crowded there in a comfortable way, unlike the street parties. Um, I'll be honest, I did not bring my regular camera with me on this trip. Uh, the research that I was able to do and the people that I spoke to said, be aware of your camera, you know, don't, uh, you know, get taken. And uh, the only time I felt at all uh, somewhat uncomfortable was in those blocos where you are, you know, just shoulder to shoulder with thousands of people uh, for, you know, upwards of hours at a time. And you really just need to be aware of pickpockets because it's so easy to, to do. Uh, at the the Sambodromo, the, the the organized carnival, I felt extremely safe, and I regretted not bringing my camera. Um, but I shot with my iPhone, and I mostly took video because uh, the the still photography, yeah, it it can be good, but uh, the to me the spectacle was the the sound of the the samba music, the 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 huge crowds, the costumes, uh, just showing. And what I wanted to do was convey the the amount of people, uh, the beautiful costumes, the, the overall spectacle, instead of isolating individual people. Now, for next year, uh, we're I'm going to try to see if we can get some sort of uh, more isolated access for photography. So that's something I'm going to look into. So you you're planning to do this uh this tour next year yeah so i was there scouting for a trip that i'll do next year and it's uh going to be about mid-february uh like i believe the venice carnival this uh has to do with the uh it was the 40 days before lent that they yeah. they position this on the calendar it's, it's 40 days before easter Okay, before Easter, excuse yeah. me, yeah. <laughs> Lent, Lent is the first, if I'm not wrong, if I'm not mistaken, Lent is the first day. Uh, it starts in on Ashes Wednesday, which is the first day after the end of the carnival season, whatever. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's, set, <laughs> it's set by the Catholic Church, so it's the same in all, all of the Catholic countries. They right. have the same dates for carnival. And yeah, next year is going to be, since it depends on a lunar calendar, Surprisingly, the Easter date is set based on the on the moon on a lunar calendar. It changes every year, and next year is going to be nine days earlier than this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's going to be yeah, essentially mid February. Anyway. Yeah, it's about mid February for next year. And uh, now, of course, Carnival is the big spectacle probably in the world. I mean, uh, I put something up on Facebook that it. It is the Super Bowl, Mardi Gras, the Pasadena Rose Bowl Parade. I mean, all these things, you know, combined, and it they don't even compare to what I saw at Carnival. I mean, it is just a spectacle like you can't believe. And especially uh, the partying, the, the music, uh, it goes from 9 p.m. to 5 or 6, 7 a.m. the next morning. And uh, people are preparing all year long uh, to put this, uh, put their Samba school together and, and get it ready. And um, I was uh, very lucky because I had uh, extremely uh, special access sort of backstage. Uh, we went from our 
suite, private suite to another one uh, that we had to walk around the whole stadium to the other side. And so we got uh, kind of a backstage access, and that was really interesting to see. But when I just think of the pure logistics that go into something like this, uh, it absolutely blows something like the Super Bowl away. I, I just can't believe it because number one, it's it's four or five days long. Uh, you know, where the Super Bowl is, you know, four or five hours um, one time a year. But um, th- what I was going to say, though, is that there's so many other things to do in Rio, obviously. Yeah, that, that, that's what I wanted to ask, more or less. If you're planning your tour, you're thinking of including other experiences if you're planning to that's- take people uh, to other parts of Brazil. Well, uh, we're determining uh, what that will be. There will probably be some sort of uh, an optional extension, either pre-trip or post-trip extension to other parts of Brazil, uh, perhaps Iguazu Falls or Bahia or other uh, beach areas. That because uh, when I when I put my trips together, uh, when they especially when they're kind of based around a big spectacle like this. I love to end the trip on a really sort of calm and mellow note. And so perhaps uh, doing something where we you know, spend some time on an island or at the Iguazu Falls, things like that, I think would be a really good uh, way to end the trip. So we're, we're trying to determine that. But even within Rio itself, you've certainly got other uh, things to see and do. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Ipanema Beach, Copacabana Beach. Uh, there's the uh, the 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 churrascurias, the the wonderful uh, uh, restaurants that are based around meat with this incredible food. Uh, I got access behind the scenes there to go back into the the kitchen of the restaurants. Uh, you've got Corcovado, which is the uh, Christ the Redeemer statue that has these unbelievable views over the whole uh, area. Uh, Sugarloaf Mountain. Uh, we're doing a boat ride uh, on the harbor, so I love to get my groups on the water and get that different perspective at sunset, especially. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've loved Brazil when I was there years yeah. ago, and I would would definitely love to go back. Also, what one a big difference about Carnival in Venice it, is that in Venice it happens in the middle of winter. So there's not a lot of beaching going around, whereas in the southern hemisphere, like Rio, it's in the middle of summer, so you can go to the beach and uh, just stay there in the sun. And uh, I mean, I, I was in when I was in Brazil. It was, I think, it was August, so it's winter there. Right. It's still a tropical country, so people are still on the beach. But the beach was. I would not say it was more, almost empty, but there was very little action on the beach because it was it was kind of cool. And typically, what what happens the, the weather there, the, the the sea conditions in winter, uh, is that the sea are, is typically rough. There are big waves, so there's not a lot of swimming going on. Whereas mm-hmm. in the summer, they told me that the sea is much calmer and you can swim in Ipanema or Copacabana and look at just. I can just—I mean—I I remember seeing photos and videos of the life on the beach. It's uh, tons of people playing volleyball, soccer on the beach, and just uh, bathing in the sun and swimming. Just again, tons of uh, street photography opportunities there, I believe. Oh, absolutely! Um, and, and we did a—I I I love to do organized foodie tours on my trips, mm-hmm. so. Um, I participated in uh, this six-hour 
uh, foodie tour run by a local company. Uh, number one, it's a good way, you know, for people that travel by themselves, it's a great way to meet other people, uh, mostly travelers, uh, that are also on the foodie tour. Uh, so that's a nice, uh, kind of a social part of it. But I also like to do them at the beginning of my trips, even my group trips. So this is something that will most likely incorporate into the trip. Uh, and I do it on almost all my trips at the beginning so that uh, people get an idea of what the food is like, how to order it, what these strange and interesting fruits and vegetables that we maybe have never seen are, uh, how to buy them, how to prepare them sometimes. And so we did a wonderful walking tour through the Lapa neighborhood. It was very photogenic. Uh, we stopped at probably three, four, five different restaurants. We also stopped at uh, street markets, uh, you know, learning about the different uh, spices and peppers and uh, having little shots of the local uh, moonshine and things like that. But uh, learning about all these things that that then people can use that information for the rest of the trip and not feel like, uh, you know, everything is so strange. I think it's just a great way to be introduced to uh, something that's so important, which is uh, the food in a place with a, such a great food culture like uh, Brazil. And not to mention the fact that Brazilians are some of the most open, fun-loving people that you can find on the planet, I believe. I mean, that my experience there was great. So, Absolutely. again, that's a bit unlike Venice. <laughs> the, the, I think I, I love the Venetians. I have many Venetian friends. And I know that during most of the year, they're also very, they're not as fun-loving as the Brazilians, but they are, they are great people. But probably for the two weeks of carnival, they become a bit grumpy and <laughs> a bit fed up with all those tourists and photographers feeling the streets that it's, it's not easy to live in Venice. You have to, to contend with a city that is not made for easy going around and when you, you just as you see people carrying their little carts with the grocery shopping and they find getting a hard time going through a street because there's a bunch of photographers and masks there blocking the traffic you you can hear them grumble for from a few hundred meters away <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And and uh, in Brazil, as I'm sure in Venice, uh, the locals tend to get out of town mm -hmm. during these crazy festivals. Uh, sometimes, uh, I'm sure, renting out their, their flats uh, to make a little money. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the, uh, uh, the carioca, as they call them, those are the local born and raised in Rio people are called cariocas. Uh, they get out of town uh, during Carnival. Uh, you know, they've, they've probably done it, you know, many times in their lives. They've had enough and they just want to be away from the chaos and the, you know, the parking problems and traffic and all those things, uh, noise and the all night parties. Um, but uh, I, could, I could see that in, in Venice as well. Yeah, I think we have to always consider and remember that I mean, those Rio and Venice, they are living cities, the people who live them. They're not Disneyland. They're not an amusement park. You don't go there and buy a ticket and can do whatever you want in the place. You, you still need to, to be respectful, consider the fact that there are people are living and working there. and like So uh, that, that's something that I think everybody has to, to keep in mind, but sometimes we... 
least some people tend to forget that. We're just guests. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, these are, you know, these are people's homes and uh, obviously we need to respect them like we would anywhere else. Um, another thing that I want to mention is that I did a, a cooking class. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that obviously food is such a big part of travel, especially when you go to a wonderful food culture like Brazil, Italy, France, uh, you know, Asia. There's so many wonderful food cultures around the world. And uh, I, I've owned restaurants, but I don't consider myself a cook. Uh, I, I guess I'm a little bit of a foodie, but, uh, you know, I don't love that word, <laughs> but, um, I, I took a cooking class and I had the most wonderful experience. Uh, the, the chef that, that, uh, taught us was just absolutely outstanding. Uh, chef Simona, um, um, of cooking in Rio, it was just outstanding. And again, it's another great way to meet other travelers if you're by yourself. Uh, now, I happened to do this on the last day that I was there. I actually packed up, had my bags ready to go right from there to the airport to fly out that evening. But uh, we had a couple, a uh, newlywed couple from uh, Chihuahua, Mexico. There was another one from uh, Ohio, another couple that were originally from Belarus, but they live in Michigan, and another uh, British couple from Spain that live in Spain. And so uh, just a great way to meet a lot of international people, but also to learn about the local food culture. And it was one of the best experiences. Uh, I'll be putting something up on Facebook, uh, a little short video of that. But uh, that's another thing that I can highly recommend to people. Yeah, Even if you're not a cook or maybe that interested in, in food itself, Finding a cooking class led by a local chef that knows what they're doing is another great way to get into the culture. Cool. I'm really envious of uh, your experiences in Rio. Um, Anything else you would like to say about your experience there? Let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I did. Uh, now, I stayed in the Leblon area, which is a pretty uh, sort of ritzy area that uh, had its own um, bloco, B-L-O-C-O, are these local um, – they're arranged. They're not impromptu, but they're uh, much less formal than – way, way less formal than the uh, the big carnival at the Sambodromo. But uh, – Uh, Leblon, and then right next door is Ipanema Beach, and then you've got uh, Copacabana. But uh, just getting out, uh, you know, Rio is a very, very photogenic place. Um, Again, I just shot with my iPhone, and uh, uh, I would like to have brought my, I would like to have had my my Micro Four Thirds camera, but um, I didn't miss it that much. I got some great footage. Uh, some really nice photographs and uh, you know the, the great thing about using your smartphone is that you can upload directly to social media share things right then and there do uh, you know all your post processing on the device uh, actually th- this new uh, program that I'm uh, presentation that I'm doing at the travel and adventure shows this year 2020 uh, this weekend I'm heading to Washington DC for my final one of the year is uh, called uh, Creating Great Memories with Any Kind of Camera, and it's all about smartphone photography. 
So I, um, you know, you may not think this, but I'm, I'm shooting about 50% with my smartphone these days. I'm loving it. Uh, I'm really not missing, uh, even the extra weight of the cameras, the, the additional post-processing and backing up and all that stuff. Uh, I am, it's, it's become so convenient and these, these smartphones, the cameras are, are, you know, the quality is so good that I'm doing more and more with my smartphone. Are, are you doing anything with your smartphone these days? No, I don't know. I never got the smartphone bug. I do, I mostly do like uh, f- shots with friends, selfies, group shots, things like those. Uh, actually, I brought to Venice, I mean, the, I went the completely opposite direction. I brought to Venice my 4x5 large format view camera. <laughs> I did take some, some photos with that, which is, I mean, it's a beast to carry around. So I only <laughs> used it on a couple of occasions. Uh, also to have fun because I I kind of dressed myself as a vintage photographer. <laughs> you, did? you did dress? Yeah, so I got, I probably was photographed more than I took photographs. That was fun. But yeah, anyway, wow. so I, I went the completely opposite direction. I still brought my digital Fujifilm camera, my mirrorless, and took quite some photos with that, but I also wanted to... To do some film photo, large format film photography, and it was quite fun. So. That's great. I saw some of the shots you got. Really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to more. So we'll, we'll attach some of your photos from Rio to this post. And uh, I think we uh, are about at the, at the end of this episode. Uh, it's been great to hear you really wanted to... Uh, I really want to to go back to to Brazil and to Rio in particular. Sooner or later, I'll do it because I I just loved it when I was there. And it's uh, it's been too long. Uh, Where can people find about this tour that you're organizing? Well, uh, eventually, once we get it, uh, you know, the, the 2021 dates and the program and itinerary finalized, uh, you can get preliminary information right now at my website, photoenrichment.com. Look for tours, and there's a drop down there that you'll see uh, Carnival in Rio. Uh, but that uh, certainly needs to be update, which, updated, which I hope to do in the next uh, week or two and get more information up there. Okay, good. Uh, just mentioned that I've uh, also started getting bookings for my Venice Carnival 2021 tour. So people can go to my tours.ucphoto.me website and search for Venice or the full URL is tours.ucphoto.me slash tours slash Venice. Hope it's easy enough to remember. (laughs) People want to learn more about it. And yeah, it's one year year away, but it's a very popular event. So we're probably going to sell out seats pretty pretty quick. Yep, get your... uh... Get your spots reserved now. Uh, as for me, I've got some uh, really wonderful trips coming up this year. Uh, in May, I've got uh, France's Magical Dordogne. We're staying at a private castle, which is absolutely stunning. Uh, that's in the Dordogne region of southwestern France. Uh, I've also got Costa Rica, some wonderful wildlife photography. Uh, on the Osa Peninsula, National Geographic calls it the most biologically intense place on Earth. Uh, I've got my co- regular Copper Canyon trip in uh, 
that's in August. So that's a wonderful time to be in that part of Mexico. Beautiful uh, spring-like weather. I've also got uh, Spain's uh, northern Spain's Basque Country and La Rioja in September, as well as Armenia, Georgia, India, and Cambodia uh, end up the year. What other trips do you have this year? Uh, let's just say I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this coronavirus thing is not disrupting things too much. But uh, I'm looking forward to, let's say, Turkey in October. Uh, that's definitely going to, to go through. And I'm pretty sure by then the situation will be back to normal. And I've also got some sign-ups for uh, my return to Japan in November. Uh, I was there with a, it was a family slash scouting trip last November. And I so loved the, uh, the place and the fall colors that are, uh, that is characterized Japan in the fall that I'm uh, going to go back there in November. I've got already some people signed up for it and that's going to be great. So looking forward to that. Yeah, my Armenia-Georgia trip in October is uh, scheduled to uh, coincide with the fall colors there, which yeah. are absolutely stunning. It's just a beautiful, beautiful time of year to be there. All right. So it was great listening about the, the Rio Carnival, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Sounds good. Uh, you can find out more about me at photoenrichment.com. Follow me at Ralph Velasco and at Photo Enrichment on almost all the social media outlets. Also, one other thing I wanted to mention, I am uh, in the early stages of uh, creating a YouTube channel that will be about travel and photography tips. So I am asking everyone to please, please uh, search for The Continental Drifter on YouTube and there's a short video there that gives an introduction of what the channel will be about. Please, please subscribe and like that video. And I'm um, looking to uh, get a, a vanity URL. So youtube.com slash the continental drifter, something like that. Uh, but I need a certain amount of subscribers before YouTube will let me uh, petition them for that. So please uh, look for me online there and subscribe. I would really appreciate that. Where can people find you online? At my website, ugochaiphotography.com. As again, for my tours at tours.ucphoto.me. And as for this website, for this podcast, you can find this episode and all the other ones at ttim.photo. And now let's get out and shoot. <laughs>